Hey, good morning. This is fun. Huh? You get to stare at each other while we talk in the middle. I'm excited about that. Um, yesterday, I, I played games, and they were fun. So good on you. I'm also sore today, which is embarrassing. But getting old is part of the gig. All right. Uh, have you ever been given a nickname? Okay. Have you ever been given a nickname? How many of you have been given a nickname? Throw it up. How many of you are super proud of that nickname? Okay. If you're proud of it, what is it? Pear? You're proud of that? Okay. Just Okay, Pear. I'm into that. What? Potato Head? You love that nickname? Okay. Slacker? Okay. Like a slack line? You got one? Nat. Like that? Like with a G? Or an N? Nat. Okay. I, I'm a little worried about the nickname givers in the world. That's not going... Big Hoss. There we go. That's the kind of nickname I think of when I think of a nickname. Jay? Okay. Yeah. Simple. Keep it simple. K the King. That's a nickname right there. Saudi? Saudi. S-A-D-D-I-E. Not saddy. Like a what? Oh, that's fun. Thank you. Thank you. I couldn't hear. Say it again. Schmumpf. Okay. That's a fun one. Schmumpf. Larry. Yeah, I knew yours. Anybody over here? Nicknames? We call my oldest son Squish. Uh, we call him Squish because he was squished when he came out. Like he looked like he looked like he got in a fight before he came out, and uh, and his nose and everything was wrinkled. It was, it was really fun. And then you see him now, and you're like, dude, that's crazy. Because if we keep that nickname with him, he looks like the kind of kid that's gonna grow up and have abs for the rest of his life. You know, it's just kind of how his body's made. And so I'm gonna keep that nickname going, and just try to keep him humble. Uh, but it may not work. Rachel Tui. Like Rat Tattooey? Oh, I love that movie. That's a good movie. Rat Tats. Rat Tattooey. Uh, nicknames are fun. Nicknames are important. Nicknames can be a part of your name, right? And they can be a little twist. Sometimes they're given to you by, like, your parents or by your friends or by your aunts, uncles, grandmas, whatever. You know, schnookums. You know what I'm saying? Uh, you, got, you got all these nicknames out there. And they can be identifying, right? You can have an identifying nickname. But nicknames can also be a bummer. How many of you have ever been called one of those? Yeah. I'm going to tell you a story. When I was in fourth grade, I had this guy in my class, and he called me Fathead. Donald, don't laugh at that. Why are you laughing at that? That's not nice, man. He called me Fathead. And I'm like, this is my head. I can't, like, you literally can't do anything about the size of your head. It just grows the way it grows. You know what I'm saying? It's like if you look in the mirror and you're like, I hate the size of my head. Suck it up. It's the rest of your life. 
And I hear my ears keep getting bigger. Like, I hear that's a thing. They never stop growing. Why would you call somebody fathead? And I hate that kid. To this, I'm just kidding. I don't hate him. But, like, I was just playing. But the reality is, is for a while there, I was like, I got insecure about my head. And I was like, you can't do anything about your head. It's like saying, stupid face. You know, like, well, that's my face. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, you can't do anything about my face. This is the point, is nicknames can identify things in you, and they can bring things out of you. Big hoss. I mean, yeah. Sometimes you feel like one, and then if someone came in and said, you know, little mouse, and you'd be like, well, that's very rude. Why would you say that? You know what I'm saying? I'm big hoss. No, I'm big hoss. I'm big boy, you know? And so we get into these conversations about nicknames can be identifying. Nicknames can pull things in and out of you and all these things. Do not call him Little Mouse for the rest of the summer. It's going to be weird, though. I want you to be ready to apologize in five years when he's up here talking about this one guy who called him Little Mouse. Okay? Maybe I'll, I'll, write, you a, I'll write you a letter. It'll be okay. Yeah. Here's my point. The point is nicknames can identify something about you. I have a couple of nicknames that I loved. Uh, a, lo- a lot of my nicknames came from, from the reality that my, my last name is Ferris. And Ferris Bueller is one. So my brother's, my brother's nickname was Bueller because he's older. And then I got Ferris. So actually one of my nicknames was actually my last name, which I really appreciated. So uh, it was a good identifier. Bueller's over there. Ferris is right here, you know, carrying on the family the legacy. You know, that's good. Another one is because my last name is Ferris, was Carnival. Because where do you find a Ferris wheel? At a carnival. And I really liked that nickname because people are like, you're a little crazy. We don't know where you're going. You're kind of like a carny, you know? It's just kind of cool. And then another one that I was given later in my life because I was, I was kind of short and fat for a long time. But then I grew up. <laughs> and the specimen you see in front of you now, <laughs> I tell you, is uh, you're welcome. All right, so... Uh, Another one that I was given was Beast, and it came in the context of sports, you know, like, dude, you're a beast kind of thing. So these nicknames can bring things out of you and give you identities, give you things to think about, give you pieces of your puzzle for you, but what we're going to be talking about today is that you were actually given a nickname. You were given a nickname by Jesus. Now, this is only for those of you in the room who accept Jesus as your Savior, okay? Okay. If you're here and you're still wrestling with that, I love that. You can, you can tune in and kind of, you know, get your mind right on what your nickname will be if you ever choose to accept Jesus as your Savior. But until you do that, this nickname's not for you, all right? If you have, if you're like, yeah, I'm all in. I'm going all in. I'm going to try my best to live my life for the rest of my life in accordance to what God has called me to through Jesus. I'm going to put all my faith in that empty grave. You were given a nickname. And I want to talk to you about the nickname for this morning which is going to set us up for our last session tonight, which I'm kind of bummed about. I was telling, I was telling, uh, y'all call him like Mr. Craig or just Craig? Like, what do we call him? Just Craig? What a relational guy. You guys are so lucky. Uh, I was telling Craig yesterday, I was like, here's the problem is I get on these tangents because I have so much to teach you. I mean, we're talking about a lifetime of understanding of this stuff. I want to teach it all to you, but I'm only going to be able to teach you nine things, Okay. So tonight, I'm very excited to close this out, and you just have to come back next year, see if I'm here. You know, it'll be fun to get into it. But the nicknames that we're talking about found in Matthew, go to Matthew if you've got your Bibles. Matthew 5, Matthew 5, Matthew is the first book in the New Testament. 
if you open up your Bibles almost, I don't know, maybe three-quarters of the way through, you'll get to Matthew. Uh, maybe it's like two-thirds, actually. Uh, on my Bible, it's page 1,653, if that helps you. These jokes just don't land me. It sucks. It's, it's, it's a hard life, man. I'm doing my very best. <laughs> it's like if we're not going to, maybe I won't come back next year until you all get a sense of humor. You know what I mean? Like, goodness gracious. I'm just kidding. I'll, I'll come back. I had a good time. It's fine. Right, Jay? Are you sure your nickname's Jay? Yeah, okay. <laughs> She's like, I'm called out. All right. Matthew 5, verse 13. So who wants to read that out this morning? Just one. Just one. Wow. No, it's got to be a student. Appreciate your heart. Got to be a got to be a student. You'll read it? All right, yep. Someone give that kid a Bible. Let him read the first verse. Read verse 13. Wait. You are the, you are the fat of the earth, but if he's fat lost Saltiness, how can it be? Maybe spotty again? It, it is for no longer good for anything to expect to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. You are the salt of the earth. How many of you want to be out there with that nickname, Salty? Right? We've changed that. We've made that a bad thing, right? Oh, you salty. Uh, you mad. Mm, you salty. You angry. You're ornery. You're frustrated. You salty. But Jesus being like, no, you salty. You the good salt. You're the salt of the earth. Listen up. But if salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It's no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled by men. And y'all are like, what are you talking about salt? We're not talking about table salt, all right? This is a very important thing for you, and what I'm going to do is give you the context as to why it's so important. See, in this time, they did not have salt that we have. We have salt on salt on salt. Y'all went to, like, I don't know, Wendy's, and you did the nickel thing on the salt, and then you laugh. <laughs> I don't know why I'm looking at you two. But I feel like that's something you did, maybe on date night or something, you know. And you put a nickel down there, and then you ran away. You're like, <laughs> someone's going to pick up that salt. It's all going to fall out the bottom. We can just waste salt now, don't we? Like, salt is so easy to come by. There's like a whole aisle in the grocery store for salt, and every grocery store has it. Isn't that a wild? It's so, so, there's, it's everywhere. But in this day, salt was extremely rare and extremely difficult to go get. You see, they have a sea called the Dead Sea. And the Dead Sea is a salty sea. I mean, like, if you were to go there today, they tell you whatever clothes you bring, get ready to throw them away. Because you can actually go into the Dead Sea, but your clothes are going to absorb so much salt water that your clothes are going to be ruined. Okay? So they're like, yo, bring a bag. You're going to throw those clothes away if you go swimming in the Dead Sea. But this is how they used to get their salt. They would go to the Dead Sea. They would take a trip. They'd bring, like, a shirt or some sort of burlap or some sort of rug or some sort of plant, and they would collect those, okay? And they would soak them up in there, let them soak up in that water, and then they would bring that water, and they would bring that piece of burlap or clothing or whatever they had, and they would take it, and then they would take it, and they would put it out in the sun. 
And what happens to water in the sun when it's really, really hot? It evaporates. And when it evaporates, what are you left with? Pretty smart people back in the day. Pretty resourceful. And so they would take that salt, and they would try their very best to compile salt. Because if you ever tried to, like, pick up salt, you can never get it all. You know what I'm saying? Like, you're trying to pick it up. They would compile that, and they would store that salt. And it had extreme value. As a matter of fact, listen, this is very important. How many of you like getting money? You like that money. Yeah, well, they, salt was more valuable than money, so much so that they would pay people in salt, which is where the phrase, if you're worth your salt, comes from. That's a biblical. People in the world don't know that. That's from biblical context. That's from this time. Anybody who's worth their salt, anybody who's got that much value, dot, dot, dot. So what Jesus is saying is that you are the salt of the earth. And what would you do with the clothes afterwards? Or what would you do with that plant or that rug or whatever that was? In this day, they would have an extra living space on the top of their house. We would call that like a deck or a porch or something like that. In their world, it was just an open room at the top of the house, okay? So the, the house part was like where you slept, stayed away from the, you know, kind of from the elements. They would cook and sleep and do all that stuff in the same spot. And then they would walk upstairs, and that was like their living room, if you will. And what they would do is they would take those, that burlap or the clothes that were broken or whatever was ruined, and they would set it on the foot of the upstairs room, and it would actually make the floor stronger. So it was kind of, again, another resource thing. So what he's saying is, is that when they would get done with getting all the salt off, they'd throw it up over the roof, let it put on the floor, and they would walk on it because it's no good for anything but to be trampled by man. See what I'm saying? That's the context of what's going on in this verse. So when Jesus says, you are the salt of the earth, he's saying you are the most valuable thing in the earth. You carry more value than money. You carry more value than money because you are rarer than money. You are harder to go find the money. Now, this is a contextual thing. Now, we are like, it's salt of the earth. I can go buy it from the store. This is a different conversation. So, I want everybody, what is your first nickname? Your first nickname is salt. Look at somebody and say, hey, you salty. You salty. Jesus says, you are the salt of the earth. Did you know there's something else that salt does besides taste real good? Salt is a preservative. Believe it or not, they did not have refrigerator units back in the day. And so what they might do is they might take their meat and they might put it, the meat in and, and, and submerse it into salt to preserve it. Or they might, like if they caught some fish or they had some, like they would put that in there and they would allow the salt to preserve it. It's a wild thought process. That they would take time with salt and that you'd use salt for multiple things. It's that you got, Jesus isn't just saying that you're the salt of the earth, like you have value. He's saying you're the salt of the earth, like you're the preservative. Like your job is not to be just to enhance the flavor, but to preserve the earth. Now, again, this is only if you believe in Jesus. If you don't believe in Jesus, check out. You don't have to pay attention right now. Because this nickname is not for you. I still believe you have value. 
I still believe Jesus loves you enough to give you that title, but you got to follow him, okay? So we've been going after that, though. By this time, I'm expecting you have made a decision or you're still wrestling. Those are the two options. But at this point, we're going to move forward with the people who are going to have to go home and they're going to try to live this out. Which means that in your sports teams and in your families and in your, in your dance classes and in your band meets and all that. What is it? A band meet? What is it? Like, what is it? Clearly, I wasn't in band. Invitational. Thank you. In your band invitationals. I'm going to remember that forever. Thank you. In your band things. On your spots. In the spots that you're connected to. In your groups. In your, in your squad. In your lunch tables. You are the preservative of the earth. You are the preservative of the earth. You are the salt of the earth. And you're like, Brett, sometimes I don't feel like I'm preserving much. I get that. That's what we're going to try to help you do. And then Jesus does something that's probably a little bit more tangible for us to understand. Okay? He says what? Who wants to read it? Verse 14. All those hands shooting up. I don't even know who to pick. You're going to read verse 14 for me. Here we go. You are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. You are the light of the world. Did you know that a town on a hill cannot be hidden? Look, y'all have never been to Denver, or if you have, it's wild. But when you come out the mountains and you're driving down and you look out, Denver is lit up. Okay? It's the Mile High City. And even when you go higher than the Mile High City, you could see it from everywhere. They light it up. In Michigan, if you're from Michigan, some of you are, it's so flat that when you're driving at night, if it's a summer night and it's cloudy and it's clear, you can actually see the city lights on the clouds. Have you ever noticed that? Pretty cool. What does that mean? That means that when light's on, dark's off. It can't be hidden. A city on a hill cannot be hidden. You are the light of the earth. Your job is to light it up. That's your job. Some of you have been out there trying to be that dude or that chick that's like, no, I don't want to be the light of the earth. I just want to be like the kind of the shadow of the earth. <laughs> like, I love Jesus, but I don't want to talk about him. Like, I love Jesus, but I don't want my friends to know. Like, I don't even tell them that I come to camp. You see what I'm saying? Like, you are the light of the earth. You are the light of the world. It is not your job to just be the preservative of the earth. It is your job to illuminate the earth. Which means you should look different than the dark. Because light and dark don't play well together. Did you know that darkness definition is literally the absence of light? That's the definition of it. What's darkness? It's the absence of light, man. Which means a little bit of light can go a long way. You ever been out there? You ever had that moment? It's pitch black. And you're like, honestly, all I need is my little watch, my little watch light, and I can see the whole world, it feels like. You're over there like, that just blew my mind. You are the light of the world. You are the light of the world. And guess what? Here's the problem. I, wanna, I just want to be clear. A city on a hill with lights on can't be hidden. 
And you're like, but I don't want to be, I don't want to be the light. Like, I don't want to be seen. I don't, I just want people to think I'm a normal kid. But guess what? If you believe in Jesus, you're not. That's good. That's positive. That's a powerful thing. If you believe in Jesus as your Savior, you're not normal. You're not ordinary. You have something extraordinary. If Jesus is in your world, you've got something working for you, not against you, that, be, that everybody else doesn't have. It's kind of cool. And you're like, but I just want to be a normal. You're not normal. Quit being normal. You're the light of the earth. You're the salt of the earth. It's not normal to be those things. That's a nickname. That's part of your identity. Jesus is like, hey, part of you, if you're with me, is that you represent me because I'm working through you. Verse 15. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Now, for us, that doesn't make sense because you flick the switch, right? But in this day, the only way they could get light was at night was fire. And have electricity. You don't start, you don't, look, you don't light a candle and then cover it with a bowl. That defeats the purpose of lighting the candle. Like, neither would you light a candle or light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it up on a stand, and you strategically place it somewhere where it's going to give light to as many corners of the home as possible. Do you know what you do when you do a light? You don't leave it down here. You put it up high. Let's light this thing up. Some of you go camping. How many of you go camping? Okay. How many of you, like, do camping, like, not, not like on a camper, like backwoods, carry it in, carry it out, camping. Yeah, so when you go camping and you've got the fire going, it's like the only source of light. But if you need to see how to set up your tent, you're going to put your lamp as high as you can, right? You're going to pop that thing up here. If you have it down here and it's right in front of you, you're going to miss something. You're going to pop that bad boy as high as you can so you can see as much as you can. And then what are you going to do? You're going to not even try to block the light so that you can see it. You're going to walk around the light while it's shining down so that you have a spot to work at with no shadows. That's how you do it. I've been camping in the mountains. I've been camping all over the country. I've been camping everywhere. That's how you do it every time no matter where you're at. You want to know why? Because when it's dark out, you need to see some stuff. The only way to see it is to light it up. That's it. And so you place that light as high or strategically as you possibly can to give as much light as you possibly can so you can see clearly as much as you possibly can. Because there is nothing fun being 34 and falling asleep on a rock. <laughs> I promise you. There's nothing fun being 24 sleeping on a rock. There's nothing fun being four sleeping on a rock. It's just not fun. You want to see those rocks, you want to get those out of the way before you lay your tent down. That's why you put a light up. You wouldn't hide it and work in the dark. You wouldn't do that. Instead, put it on a stand, and it gives light to everyone in the house in the same way. Let your light shine before men. In the same way, y'all's light should be shining. Here's the problem with you. You ready? I'm getting after you a little bit. Here's your problem. You think that your life is a means to getting out of the city you grew up in. You think that you're just, you think that you're just chilling until you can go to college or you can start working and then you can escape your situation. I think you've been strategically placed to be the light of that situation. 
I think that there's nobody like you ever created on this earth. I think that you are individually and uniquely gifted for the scenario that you're in. I believe that you were strategically placed in your scenario not to just like, you know, kind of make it through and survive it, but to live it. Like, I believe that your teen years can be amazing if you let it. And let me hear, hear, hear me when I say this. Look, you're all like, but if I go out there and I try to be the light of the world, people are going to say I'm stupid. They're going to be like, you're dumb. You've changed. Eh, we don't like you no more. Yeah, well, good for them because you're going to only hang out with them for four years. Then you're going to go to college. You're never going to talk to them again. So don't worry about four years. Okay? Facts? Facts. I talked to three people from college and one dude from high school. And you want to know what? They're all like me. I don't talk to any, I don't talk to the guy who called me fathead, Marcel, you jerk. Allegedly, I'm going to resign. <laughs> I don't talk to the people that told me, no, nah, man, you're wrong. No, nah, man, we don't want to invite you because you're too, you're too Jesus-y. Like, we don't want that at the party, brah. Like, we don't want you that. We don't want to feel guilty about what's going on. Yeah, you know what? When I was a kid, that sucked because I was sitting at home on Friday night thinking, man, why don't I have any friends? And yet, when I'm older now, I look back and I'm like, yeah, why would the darkness want the light to show up? I can't do dark things when the light's here, so I don't want you there. Oh, wait a minute. I was the light of the world. But, Brent, I don't want to be the light of the world. Well, too bad. <laughs> You're in it now. <laughs> Let me hear, you, hear, hear me when I say this. The problem with light is that it's invasive. For some of you this week, like, you're teetering on that decision still. You're not, you're really not quite sure yet. I respect that. I love that. I actually think, I actually think it's brave to be honest about that. I actually think that's really courageous, especially in an environment like this, to just say, you know what, yeah, I'm still not sure. I'm good with that. My job is not to come and slap you all and make you Jesus followers if you don't want to be. My job is to say, hey, light of the world versus your darkness, I'm going to win. Can't lose. Because light can't exist, or sorry, darkness can't exist when light's there. You know what I'm saying? That's why I started out the week on Sunday. I said, it's incredibly easy to be a Christian at camp. We're not out here setting you up for camp. We're setting you up for tomorrow and the day after, and the day after, and December 12th, and February 6th. That's what we're setting you up for in April 4th or whatever that is. We're setting you up for those days when your friends come against you because you're the light of the earth. Problem with light and dark is that light is invasive. Think about it, man. Like when you got to pee in the night, you have a decision to make. And it might be the most, might be the hardest decision of your life. You wake up and you're stumbling. <laughs> you get it. You wake up and you're kind of stumbling. You're like, oh, mm. thank you. Say that there. I go pee. Mm. Yep. Mm -hmm. Yep. Nope, not that way. Bathroom's this way. Mm. And you get ready to go pee. And then you walk into the carpet's going to be the bathroom. Okay. You walk into the door, and the light switch is always on the wall. And you're like, oh. I turn this light on, I'm going to wake up. And not just that, but my eyes are still closed. If I turn the light on, then my eyes are going to have to adjust. And it's going to be super uncomfortable. And you're kind of like, guys are kind of like, I'll just wing it. <laughs> See if I hit. <laughs> like, I should know if I hear water, I guess. You know. If I don't hear water, then I 
I'll sit down. <laughs> you have the hardest decision of your life right now is to, am I going to turn on this light or not? Why? Because light's invasive. It's uncomfortable. Like your eyes actually have, it takes time to adjust. For some of you, you made a decision this week to follow Jesus. You did, made a decision to let that light in. And guess what? It's going to be uncomfortable. Because things are going to start getting lit up around you. You're like, I can't do that anymore, Bill. But I like that. I like doing that. Yeah, but well, different filter now. The light's up. And isn't it true that when you light it up, you can see things clearer? You know, go back to the scenario. <laughs> if you actually turn on the lights, go through that little spot of adjustment, you're actually probably more likely to make it, not miss. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, I don't know how many of you, like, ladies, all right, I'll, go, I'll take this a little further because I was picking on the guys. If you got an older brother and he left the seat up, oh, <laughs> that just hit you so, you're like, I can't, oh, okay. You take that, you keep that light off, you take a risk, all right? You're like, that seat better be there, man. Like, it better be there. The point being, I don't want to go too far into that scenario. The point being, you light it up and you can see things clearer. This is why following Jesus is so hard. Because you're going to go a little ways, you're going to get a little older, you're going to have more experience than you did yesterday, and things are going to get a little clearer, and you're going to be like, oh, man, I can't be doing that. And the light's going to expose it a little bit, and you're gonna be, it's going to be uncomfortable. We call that conviction. Y'all call it, like, shame, and, it's, and it hurts you, but it's conviction. It's actually good for you. The church has not done a great job at ex- letting you experience conviction. All right, we've, called, we've done a lot of judgmental things when you're experiencing conviction, and that's, I'm sorry about that. Like, if you've experienced that, like, and that's your world, I'm so sorry about that. But the point is, it's a really good thing for you to be convicted. It's like the Holy Spirit is doing his job saying, hey, because you're the light of the earth, uh, you remember that one thing you did that one Thursday? We got to talk about it. And you're like, I don't, <laughs> but I don't want to talk about it. But no, stay back there. It's in the dark. It's past. No, I don't, I don't live in my past, man. I live in my present, you know. I'm just going to live in my present so that it becomes my future. Did you know your present becomes your past and your future? Isn't that weird? Because that's how time works. When you're the light of the world, it's a good thing for you to be exposed. It's uncomfortable. It's invasive. It takes some adjustment. But exposure is a very good thing. Exposure is how you see the target clearer. It's how you know where to go (laughs) clearer. You get me? It's exposing. It's uncomfortable. Brent, why do you keep using the word exposing? Because it's uncomfortable. It's It's like when you have the light of the earth, when you've got that going on, man, you're growing in a way that doesn't make sense because... The corners of the darkness in your life are being illuminated. And when those are illuminated, you can sin no more. Or at least when you do it, you know it. You know? It's like, oh, man, I know I shouldn't have done that. And then we do these things. Like, and this is where I want to give you some freedom. Did you know that Jesus gives you freedom? That when you sin, like, he's not done. Like, it didn't, like, you didn't mess up Jesus plan for you. You messed up, and you got to deal with that reality because, remember, every decision you make has consequences, and you can't choose those. You can only choose the decision. But did you know that when you, when you sin, your past, present, and future sins, when you accept Jesus as your Savior, are clean? 
good to go. Debt is, when they say you're debt-free, they mean you can't get more debt. It's not possible. And this is very dangerous to teach young people because this is what Paul says. Paul's like, okay, then cool. Well, if I believe in Jesus, I can just do whatever I want and put it on his tab. As a matter of fact, Paul writes this in Romans. He's like, so I'll just keep on sinning. I'll just have all the sex. I'll just get out there and do all the drugs. I get out there, drink, drink, drink. I go gossip everybody. I'll just talk trash about everybody I see. I'm going to do it all. I'm just going to just up that. I can't. I'm debt free, man. I can't get more debt. I can just do it. I can live my life. And it doesn't matter because when I live, Jesus paid the debt. So it's all good. I'm going to get to heaven and be like, yo, what's up, man? You're welcome. And Jesus, Paul's like, no. Because the light is in you. And it's going to say, ah, yeah, you should not do that. And you're going to be like, but I did it last week. Before I knew Jesus, why is it a big deal? Because the light's in you now. You see clearer. You're like, oh, man, no, I don't want to do that. And Paul says, like, should we just increase our sin so that God's grace increases? Like, the more of a sinner you are, the, like, cooler God's gift of grace is. And it's like, no, don't do that. Let the light expose the corners. Let the light get in there and fix you up. Let the light do that. Because you want to know why? When you go do stupid stuff, don't you have regrets that come with it? Did you know? Um, look, did you know you can live a life regret-free, Donald? Yeah. <laughs> did you know you can live a life regret-free? Did you know you can actually go through college, leaders, and have no regrets and still have a ton of fun? Did you know you can arrive on your wedding day and have no regrets and still have had a ton of fun? Did you know that you can get to high school your senior year, look back, and it doesn't have to be filled with a trail of regret, but rather this moments where you're like, yeah, I went all in back there. It's time for me to launch out into the new life. I got no regrets. I got no baggage. I got no, I made decisions, and I can tell you my decisions had consequences. Those consequences came with it, and I lit it up. And all I see back there is a lit path for anybody who wants to follow me. Now I'm on my way. Did you know that you can go through ninth grade like that? Like the parties aren't that good anyway. I have to be there. Everybody's going to be there. No, they won't. Because some of their parents love them. And they're like, there's no way I'm letting you go to that party. Why not? I'll be fine. I'll be fine. Nobody's going to. It's not. Because. <laughs> Because you're the light of the earth. Because you're the light of the world. You're the salt of the earth. You're valuable. My parents suck. I hate that they do that. Oh, yeah, I'm so sorry that your parents love you enough to say no to you. Heaven forbid. Shame on them. That they would say something to you from their experience that didn't allow you the opportunity to have everything you want. I'm so sorry your parents don't want you to be a spoiled brat. <laughs> parents, am I right? Did you know, maybe they're in this room, somebody would kill to have parents like that. Somebody would love to have parents who just want to know where they're going. Some of your friends, some of your cabin mates, some of the people in this room, certainly some of your friends at school have parents that they just don't care. Do what makes you happy. Hey, it's your life, man. You should choose things. Parents that just don't 
Yeah. But you're the light of the earth. You're the salt of the earth. This is the last piece. Oh, I'm gonna, I think I'm going to finish on time. It's going to be crazy. I'll go over. Don't worry. This is the last piece of it. Let your light shine before men that they may see your good deeds and give you all of the glory. Is that what it says? No. Let your light shine before all men that they will see your good deeds and think how awesome you are. Let your light shine before all men so that they'll see your good deeds and make you the most popular kid in school. Let your light shine before all men so they'll see your deeds. And what will they do? They will praise your Father in heaven. They will attribute the good stuff about you to something bigger about you. And they're going to ask you. They're going to be like, some, it's not going to be everybody. It's going to be one person. It's going to be like your best friend. It's like you guys have been on the, you guys have been fighting for a long time about like Jesus stuff. And you're going to start making moves, right? And they're going to come to you and they're going to be like, yeah, but like, why did you do that? And you're going to be like, because I'm the light of the world. And they're like, that is so arrogant. And you're like, no, it's just what I, it's what I was told I am. Why did, why, wait, whoa, 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 why did you decide not to go there? Why did you do that? Oh, you should have been at the party. Like, yeah, man, I was, it was crazy. I didn't get chased by the police. I didn't have to worry about coming home and figuring out how my breath smelled. And, uh, and uh, nobody got pregnant. So, yeah, I guess I should have been there. But I actually had a great Friday night hanging out with my mom and dad. Like, really weird. I went to the football game. I went home. I got a great night's sleep. <laughs> feel super rested. So, yeah, I guess I, sh I should have come to that thing. What did you do? Oh, that doesn't sound as much fun <laughs> or as restful. You know what I'm saying? That's what we're talking about. And you're like, Brent, is going to the party bad? No. Listen, hey, pay attention to this. Everybody look at me. Going to the party is not a bad thing as long as you remember you're the light of the world. You go to the party and partake in the dark. No. Nah. But if you go to the party, you flip that light on, maybe. Maybe you can hang. My experience with teenagers is that peer pressure is a real thing. It's so much of a real thing that they labeled it peer pressure. <laughs> because it's so normal that everybody's doing it. Point is, if you think you can hang, okay. There's no wrong, but don't go to that party trying to do all the things. Don't go to the sleepover or the hang or whatever you do and be talking trash about your friends. Don't be those people. Don't go and talk gossip. Don't go and lie to your parents about what's going on. Tell them what's going on. Yeah, the boy I think is really cute. He's going to be there. I'm kind of kind of want to go, Mom. <laughs> I, I kind of want to go see what goes on. He's, okay, <laughs> what's your plan? You see what I'm saying? And don't be mad at your parents for, think, for, for looking at you as a valuable commodity. Like, they, they value you. <laughs> that doesn't mean that you don't get any. It means that when you show up to the party, you got to be the light of the earth. Because if you believe in Jesus, you are the light of the earth. Hear me when I say, listen, maybe this might be the hardest thing I tell you all. Don't go to the party and suck it up for the rest of us trying to do this right. Do you want to know why people don't want to go to church? Because there's a big group of people who suck at it. They're super judgmental. They're doing the thing where, like, they have the plank in their eye, and they're like, you're stupid. And they're like, yeah, but you also kind of suck, too. They're doing the thing where they're like, I'm Jesus, and you're not. And it's like, no, because Jesus was Jesus, so, like, that's a... It's a theological bond there. So, like, you know what I'm saying? Like, they're doing that stuff. And people are like, it was always somebody at the church who said something. But the job is that you show up and you light it up. That's the job. 
It's not just about like being a guy that's like, oh man, we love you. It's about showing up and lighting it up. And here's the deal. This is what Jesus says, I'm almost done, is that if you are the light of the earth, you can't help it. It's part of the gig. Today's word or phrase is light it up. So everything you do this year, every decision you make, I want you to ask yourself one very important question. If I decide to do that, am I ready to light it up? And y'all be like, Brand, are you talking about smoking weed? No, <laughs> I'm not talking about smoking weed. I'm talking about being the light of the earth. I'm talking about going into dark places and lighting it up. And if you can't do that, listen to me. If you cannot do that, do not go. Y'all think that's boring. I call that wisdom. If you don't think you can light it up, don't go. If you don't think you can be the light in a dark spot, don't go. You will thank me when you're 34. You aren't going to thank me when you're 17. You're not going to thank me when you're 14. You'll be like, ah, oh, my Fridays are so boring. Yeah, well, get used to it, man. Back in the day, we didn't even have text messaging. It cost a dollar a text. You know how, some, how much debt you'd be in? How much debt would you be in right now? A dollar a text. You send, on average, 35,000 text messages, or sorry, 3,500 text messages in a day. That's the average of national teams. Like, that's the average, 3,500 a day. You text people all the time. That would be $3,500 a day. That's crazy. <laughs> Forget college. <laughs> Need a loan just to pay off my text. Back in the day, we didn't have that. We had to, like, we were in that weird spot where, like, uh, we had to call people and tell them if we were coming or not. And you had to, like, time it right. You couldn't just, like, text them and be like, no, nah, I'm not going to be there. And it's like the movie's starting right now. <laughs> you had to let them know in advance so they didn't show up without you. It's kind of weird stuff like that. You are the light of the earth. And you have been strategically placed to be the light of the earth. You are the salt of the earth. You were given a nickname. And that nickname says more about you and your role here than you realize. And tonight, we're going to look at one more story where Jesus was the light of the earth. And in that, he engaged with darkness in the light way. Jesus, Jesus will not lose. He won't. He's not going to be, it's not going to be like this comeback from, you know, comeback from the enemy, like at the end of times, he's going to be like, oh, we know the end of the story. I don't want you to read Revelation because it's not linear and it's confusing for you, but I know the end. The end is Jesus wins. Get on the team or don't. It's up to you. I don't care what you choose, but Jesus going to win. Will you have all your answers? No. I've got some big questions. I got some questions about last November. All right? But you know what? Don't mean I'm getting off the team. Because I don't know how I'd have made it through last November without Jesus. You see me? He ain't going to lose. You got to decide if you want to be on the team. If you want to be on the team, that comes with some rules and some team rules, which means you are the light of the earth. So let's light it up.